0: There remains yet a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So how about we just take one more minute, just one more second, (coughs) take a deep breath, two or three really deep breaths. And just sense the presence of God here, as we enter in, we enter in, he you know it's not really so much that we enter in as that we just pause and become aware we We are surrounded, we are surrounded. We are surrounded by the presence of God. We are surrounded by the love of God. We are surrounded by the rest. That God, God is resting. It says in Zephaniah that, that God that He that He joys, He joys, He rejoices over us. He's looking at you right now and His joy is bubbling up as he contemplates the blueprint that he formed for you and from the foundation of the world he's the joy of of walking with you and loving you and 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 caring for you and sharing life with you brings him joy and in his presence is fullness of joy for us, but it's because in His presence, we encounter His joy over us. So just take a moment and rest in His joy. The devil wants to steal this from you, but don't let him. Just surrender to the joy of the Lord. When when the word says the joy of the Lord is your strength, it's not it doesn't mean the joy that God gives you is your strength. It means the joy that God has about you, that God, the joy that God has because of you, that he shares with you, that becomes our strength. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We rest in you today. We receive rest from you. We receive encouragement from you. We receive hope from you. We receive help from you. We receive victory from you. You are sovereign over all, Lord. We lay down our demands, our opinions, our struggles. Our expectations, we lay it all down to rest in you. Come, Lord Jesus, so let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this place, in us today. Just like it's being done in heaven. We ask it in your name. Amen. 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 Um, So... Oh, um, I know this may seem weird, but we are we're going to start Acts chapter 17 today. Who would have thought who would have thought we would ever actually get to Acts chapter 17? Is that just amazing by faith? Yeah, Uh, so um, Laura had hope and her hope did not disappoint. Uh, Because here we are today, we are starting we are starting Acts chapter 17. Uh, but first I've got to remind you, just because I always do, as long as we're in the book of Acts, I'm just going to keep reminding you. This is the message that was always... This is the message that Paul preached uh, at the, the beginning of his second missionary journey, where he says, therefore, let it be known to you... Listen. He, he says, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. He stood up in that whole... That that whole uh, synagogue in Antioch, Pisidia, and he said, "Listen to me. Today I am proclaiming your sins are forgiven, the forgiveness of sins. I'm proclaiming that. I'm declaring that. But wait, there's more. And through him, everyone who believes, once you you surrender." Your life by faith to Jesus, and you give up on this misguided notion that there's anything that you could do to impress Him or earn His blessing or His favor or earn your own salvation because you are too broken. You're, I mean, before the cross, Jesus looked at you and you are like uh, a 1979 Toyota Corolla. That had been smashed into a tree. We're worthless? It's, it's, uh, you're not going to. I mean, you're not going to fix it. There's no fix for that. Uh, you can't even. Uh, you can't even give it away. Uh, there, there's nothing you can do about it. But Jesus, the divine uh, auto mechanic, uh, makes you beautiful. Makes you beautiful. And you put your faith in Him and what He has done for you and give up on this notion that there's anything you can bring to Him except your heart. And you begin this wonderful faith journey of being freed from all the things from which you could not be freed as long as you were trying to make yourself better. This all By faith, you enter into His rest and He starts a process in you to help you become freed from all things for which you could not be freed through the law of Moses or any other law. He's doing it in you. And all he ever asks you to do is continue in the grace of God. Just continue to trust me. Continue to rest in me. Continue to let me work in you. Just continue in the grace of God. That's all I'm asking. That's all. That's, um, you, can, you can backslide and fall from grace and back into works if you want to. I'm not, you know, he won't stop you from doing that, but all He really asks is that you just rest in Him and let Him continue to work. Let Him continue to do His will in your life. How many of you would like for God's will to be done in your life? Uh, the first step usually is stop it. Stop doing all that other stuff that you thought would make things better. And st- stop doing things to try to impress Him. Stop doing things to make up for all the other things. Just enter into His rest. And then this other thing that I keep reminding you of because it's just, I don't know, we, should, we just don't want to forget this. The Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to tell what you've experienced everywhere you go, and the Holy Spirit is in charge of the results. That woman picked James up yesterday. James just told her a story. He just told, us, he just told her the story of Jesus. God touched her, not because James is awesome. Well, James is okay. <laughs> uh, but the Holy Spirit is awesome. And James opened his mouth, just like you can open your mouth and you can open your mouth and you can just tell your story. And the Holy Spirit is in charge of everything. How many of you know that John six forty seven? No man can come to the Father except what? Except the Father draws him. Uh, it doesn't say anything about no man can come to the Father unless Karen draws him. Either Karen. Where'd the other Karen go? Uh, <clears throat> no man can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. So, I mean, there's nothing else that you're in charge of except telling your story, letting the Holy Spirit do the rest. The Holy, Sp- the Holy Spirit is in charge of the results. You're just in charge of just being obedient. Okay? we all right with that? Uh, I'll remind you about it. Just in case you forget, I'll remind you about it next week. All right. At the end of uh, Acts chapter 16, I just want to give you some context. That's when, the, when Paul and his uh, compadres were thrown into jail um, because they had been sort of pre- preaching some uh, sedition, uh, according to, to the citizens. They were, they were preaching about their, another king named Jesus. So, so they got thrown into jail. They were worshiping. Uh, there was a big earthquake. You remember this? Um, and the jailer starts to commit suicide because he assumed that when the earthquake happened and all the doors opened up, that people, that the prisoners all escaped. Paul said, "Wait, no, we're all here. We're all here. Uh, Silas here. Um, Luke here. Um, Matthias here. Uh, Abednego here. I don't know what they called roll. They were all here." Uh, and he called for the lights, and the, and the jailer rushed in, trembling with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he said, oh my goodness, what do I have to do to be saved? What well, convinced the jailer to believe the gospel was this. He encountered the power of God. James has a nice story. Peggy has a nice story. Um, Chuck has a nice story. It's not even our stories that change people's hearts. Telling our stories just opens up the opportunity for people to be connected to the Holy Spirit, who's wooing and working already to draw people to himself. So um, he encountered not the testimony of Paul, but the power of God. And in that moment, he knew that God was real. He became absolutely convinced that he was on the wrong side of history and that he desperately needed Jesus, Whoever the heck that was, because he didn't even know who Jesus was, he just knew that they all seemed to know something about Jesus and he wanted to know more. He knew he needed to be saved. Lord, give us opportunities to tell our stories so that the power of God can connect with the hearts of hungry people now, not everybody that you run into is going to be hungry. I said People are at different stages. But that's why you have to tell your story to everybody. You can't wait to say, hmm, oh, this person looks like they might be ready to receive. Now, that girl in the car, in, in the car that picked James up yeah, was probably ready to receive something. But you just never know. So you have to tell your story to everybody. You just have to be ready, in season, out of season, to just tell your story to everybody. The rest of it's up to Jesus. Do you, you, you following me? Because it's not about you anyway. Turn around to somebody sitting next to you, and just look at them with a, real, with a kind of a kind smile on your face. I don't mean mean about this, but just look at them and say, it's really not about you. Okay? That's right. It's really, it's really not about you. It's not about... I mean, it's, it's the power of God. Jesus just uses you so that He connects other people with his, by His power. And that's what happened to this guy. He saw the power of God when the uh, so, so the 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 jail just exploded. But it, it wasn't just that he was impressed that the jail exploded. It was like the jail exploded, and none of the prisoners escaped. The chains fell off. None of the prisoners escaped. That's what led him to believe. Because this wasn't the first time there had ever been a, uh, an earthquake and in Philippi promise you that this was not the first hit earthquake in the history of the world the earthquakes around there all the time buildings are falling down all the time it wasn't just the power of the earthquake it was seeing and experiencing the faith and the joy and the power flowing through Paul and his friends that got this guy's attention what do I have to do he said what do I have to do to be saved? But you know what he really meant? What do I have to do to be like you? What do I have to do to have what you have? What do I have to do to not be like me anymore and be something more like this? What do I have to do to, exp- to experience this joy and this faith and this power It was a big deal. And um, just remember this. The kingdom of God consists not in words but in power. Your words help, but it's just a, your words are the vehicle that the power of God flows like a bridge to flows out on. kingdom of God is not about winning arguments. <laughs> um, the kingdom of God is about becoming a receptacle for the power of God. And the power of God does the rest. I, I need at least one person to give me an enthusiastic amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I don't ask for much. Uh, all right, so that's the end of chapter 16. Uh, well, the very end of chapter 16, I don't know if you all remember or not, but the very end of chapter 16... Uh, the authorities came and they kind of apologized for throwing them in jail since it was against the law for them to throw them in jail since they were Roman citizens. And they were kind of scared of having them around anymore. So they just said, please leave. Would you please, please, please just leave? uh, We're sorry that we threw you in jail. And uh, we'll uh, we'll make it up to you by something later. But just please get out of town. Uh, So they left Uh, at the end of chapter 16. They were in Philippi and they... Took this little trip, uh, Amphipolis to Apollonia uh, to Thessalonica. That's where we're going to find him in chapter 17. Now, that doesn't look like, but about, I don't know, what do what, you estimate? Uh, this doesn't look like more than, what, um, <laughs> nine inches? Um, but it's really over 100 miles. They just left town and they walked for 100 miles. Nobody in this room except for James knows what that feels like. Uh, um, They they walked 100 miles through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia and Berea to get to Thessalonica. And um, now when they had traveled through, there it is, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to... Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So there's a difference between Philippi and and Thessalonica already, which is what? There was a synagogue in Thessalonica. There wasn't one in Philippi. Where were they meeting in Philippi? Do you remember? They went down by the river. Uh, But there's a a synagogue in Thessalonica, because Thessalonica is a major city. Thessalonica is on uh, a major Roman highway, the main road between Rome and Asia. Uh, the Romans built this special road. Let me go back and let me show you this again because I because I have this pointer and I want to use it. All right, uh, Thessalonica. See this? There's a road that goes up. It goes like this. There's. They didn't take a ferry. They went. Goes up like this. Goes. They, they, get, they cross here, and then it goes all the way to Asia. All the way to the far reaches of the Roman Empire go right through Thessalonica. It's a major economic hub. It was uh, a major Roman city. And if you can establish a church in Thessalonica, it's like establishing a presence on Google with the number one ranking in your search engine rank that everybody who goes to Google is going to find out. If you're ranked number one, you have the number one rank page, everybody's going to find your message first. So if you're in Thessalonica, you're, if you've got a church in Thessalonica, then you've got people coming both ways back and forth across the whole Roman Empire. And they stop in Thessalonica, and they run into Christians, and the Christians will say, Did you know Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins? And the Holy Spirit releases His power, and they say, Why, no. Please tell me about it. And the gospel started to spread. This is the very beginning of of Thessalonica. They're just getting started. Uh, And according to Paul's custom, which we know by now, he went to the synagogue of the Jews. Uh, He went to them, and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, continuing to the, 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 the Scriptures. By the Scriptures, what were we talking about? All the Old Testament, the Old Testament scrolls. He, and whether he used the actual scrolls or whether he just quoted stuff from memory, if you were serious about going to synagogue every day, you didn't actually need to read the scrolls because you had committed most of it to memory. Anyhow, you knew those stories. He went to those stories, and he began reasoning from the Scriptures, and he explained, giving them evidence, that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. Because now why is this a big deal? Why was it important for for Paul to be able to, to convince them that it was important for the Christ? And he doesn't say doesn't say Jesus here, he just says the Christ. What does Christ mean? The anointed one, the king, the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting forever. And, and he managed to convince them, some of them, uh, from the scriptures, that it was important for Messiah to die and rise again from the dead that it was he managed to to go to scriptures and point out to them that it was prophesied that messiah was going to die and rise from the dead why was it important for him to convince them about that well because they didn't believe it they were they expected for messiah to be a, a king a real king with a real army and real armor and real armor bearers, and um, to just yeah, and they were they were still waiting for that king to come along and kick out the Romans and kick out the Egyptians and kick out the Jebusites and the Parasites and the Edomites and the, all of the all of thoseites. So they, they were waiting for a king to come and and lead them to conquer the world. And so when he when he said hey, the Christ has come, and he died. They were like, what? What do you mean? Well, he rose from the dead. That's That ain't right. That's not what we've been taught. So he had to go through the Scriptures, and he made a case for the fact that this was, the, that the, the king, the king over all, died for all, and he rose again. And so... Uh, Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you, He's the Christ. He's the King. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. And He's here. He's alive right now. And, and I know that after he did it, because this is the way Paul always did it, after he said this message, this simple message, I just want you to know Christ and Him crucified. And then I'm going to get out of the way because I want the power of God to come and do something. And he started, they started praying for people and laying hands on people. And they saw the power of God being expressed in amazing ways in the synagogue. And some of them, some of the people in the synagogue, were persuaded. By them, they mean Jews. Some of the Jews were persuaded. And they joined Paul and Silas. Along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. I'm just going to remind you, because I talk about this all the time, that there were incredibly large numbers of people who came and stood outside the synagogue. They were hungry to hear about the one true God, but they didn't want to go through all of the stuff from the law of Moses. Especially the circumcision part, but even more than that, they didn't, they were, there were cultural and functional practical reasons why these people who were called God-fearers would never convert to Judaism. Um, but that doesn't mean they weren't hungry for God, and that didn't mean that they didn't give alms to the synagogue to pay for it, to pay for its operation, and to keep it going. Um, you could make the argument that some synagogues w- would not have been able to stay in business if it weren't for the God-fearers who stood outside who did things to bless the people on the inside. They wanted to get God's attention, but they just couldn't go through the conversion process for whatever reason. And so, every, almost every single one of those people, God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women, and don't be fooled here. Don't... Women were powerful leaders, especially powerful business people that controlled a lot of money. The leading women, uh, may or may not have actually owned a business, but they bossed their husbands around and they controlled the purse strings. Um, some things never changed. Then, so they, uh, so Paul and Silas, uh, they joined Paul and Silas and, uh, and, <laughs> in mass they all left they all went someplace else because they wanted to hear more they saw this the gospel touched their hearts and they were ready to learn more this was their opportunity to be connected to god without having to go through all the blah 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 stuff that the jews wanted them to go through so it was amazing uh, and revolutionary i mean it completely changed the dynamics of the synagogue in thessalonica in apparently three weeks oh I need to ask you... I'm just going to point this out. It says up here at the very first sentence, now when they had traveled, referring to Paul and Silas and their little team, when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apolia, they came to Thessalonica. I just wanted to call your attention to this innocent little pronoun here because remember in Acts chapter 16, uh, for about 15 verses, it was talking about we did this and we did that and we did this and we did that. And now suddenly... Now it's back to they. Um, What do you suppose has happened? Luke dropped out. And this is just a silly little thing to speculate on, but I don't know where people get this idea, but it's not my idea. I read it someplace else. Some people think that Luke stayed behind in Philippi and developed a, let's just say, a long-term relationship with Lydia that he met Lydia in the Philippi in Philippi, and it was love at first sight, and he and Luke stayed in Philippi, which is why it's back to they here. I don't know, but it's romantic okay now, but the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, the marketplace is the Agora, and it's just and in Greek cities, uh, in Roman cities at that time, you have this like big square, you know, the, the city square uh, from the, you know, the city gates and everything, there's a big open air market in the city gates where the city fathers usually stood or sat drinking coffee and um, checking their email and making uh, decisions about how the city should be run. Um, everybody spent most of their time in the marketplace cause, because there were cows living in their houses at home. Um, so um, the Jews were jealous because all of their, half of their church got up and left, uh, and so they went and found some wicked men from the marketplace, because you can literally find anything in the marketplace, and they formed a mob and they started a riot. And they attacked the house of Jason, and they were seeking to bring bring them by them um, Paul and Silas and the other people that were with him bring them out to the people, but they weren't there so when it turned out that Paul and Silas weren't there, they just dragged Jason out with some with some other of the brethren that had received Christ just in this past three weeks, dragged them out before the city authorities and they started shouting these men have upset these men who have upset the world in the Greek word there literally means these people those people who have turned the world upside down are here. And it is freaking us out. Jason has welcomed them. And here's their charge. This is the second time we've heard this charge now. It was in Philippi. Now it's in Thessalonica. They all act contrary to the degrees of Caesar, saying there's another king named Jesus. I'm just going to remind you one more time. Matthew 16, where Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, the rock not being Peter, he's a little stone, a little Weasley stone. Uh, upon Peter, you're, I'm gonna I'm change, Simon, I'm changing your name to Peter, which means little stone. But there's a giant rock. Your confession that I'm the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I'm gonna build my church on that confession. And I'm gonna keep reminding you about this. That word in Greek is ekklesia, and it means government. Jesus says, I am building a new government, with me as the king who has come to reign. I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. And I'm calling you to follow a new king. And boom, this is now 25 or 30 years later, Paul, who wasn't there in Matthew chapter 16... So how did Paul figure this out? Because the apostles uh, passed this story on to them, and the word Messiah means king anyhow. We are, we are now following another king, and he is creating a new government, and it's going to replace the old government, and it's going to transform the world. The king, King Jesus, is going to transform the world. They're saying that, that, that there's another king named Jesus and so they continued to stir up the crowd in the city the authorities who heard these things. Uh, they stirred up the crowd and they stirred up the authorities. That's right. And the authorities who had dragged Jason out received a pledge from Jason and the others and they released them. The, re- the pledge was Don't bring these people back to Thessalonica ever again. They are not welcome in our town. But unfortunately, they'd already been there. And so they'd infected a lot of people with the gospel, including Jason. Jason shows up again at the end of Romans chapter 16, where Paul, uh, in a greeting to... The, at the very end of uh, Rome, he says, uh, you know, Timothy's here with me. Luke's here with me. Uh, uh, Jason is here with me, and Sosipater Sosa is here with me. There's a, a tradition that said Jason uh, and some and Sosipater went to uh, the island of Kofu and uh, started a church, and uh, a lot of miraculous things happened. You now Jason is a real guy uh, who met the Lord in Thessalonica and continued to follow Paul f- for many years and years. Became what was called one of the uh, i said uh, a second generation missionaries that the church sent out right now he 's just Jason getting beat up by a crowd uh and they made jason promise don't do this again As it, there's it's not clear from the context whether they actually had them post bond like a financial bond or they they just made a Let's swear on a stack of something. Uh, uh, But the whole deal was, we are. uh, It's going to be bad for you, Jason, if you bring these people back again. And later on, one of the either first or second uh, Thessalonians, Paul says, you know, I really wanted to come back. Uh, We had such a great time there before. I really wanted to come back, but we were prevented from coming to you. Why were they prevented? because they put a price on his head and said, uh, do do not come back here. Um, I'm just looking at this. These men who have turned the world upside down, oh no, they have come here. These men, this message This king, the power of God, turns the world upside down. Everywhere the church... By now, it's pretty obvious. This is the second missionary journey. Uh, Between Paul and Barnabas and Silas, they have now hit most of the major cities, not only in uh, Asia, but now in Europe starting in, with Greece and Macedonia. And everywhere they go, riots break out. The power of God breaks out. People get healed. People get converted to Jesus. Um, the power and influence of the Jewish synagogue is diminished. And people are just turning to Jesus. Just having their lives changed. And when there are enough people in meeting in a group whose lives are changed, Guess what else happens? Neighborhoods are changed. Communities are changed. Cities are changed. Nations can be changed. The world is turned upside down. When, when a world... Um, so 25 words or less. Just put in your own words. When, when, so you hear the phrase, uh, uh, world turned upside down, Put that in your own words. What does that mean to you? Could be chaos. Radical change. Confusion. Anarchy. Uh, um, the way things used to be isn't that way anymore. The nice, orderly, um, the, the program that I've been accustomed to, I, um, um, is it's just different. It's not... The way we used to do things, we can't do them that way anymore. Hmm? Yeah, the reality of the presence of God comes and and the old things pass away. New things are coming. A new king is coming. The new world is coming. And we, we don't know what to expect and this makes us very uncomfortable um, because... We like the old way better. You know, that's like the children of Israel in the middle of the desert. After a while, they said, you know what? Can't we just go back to Egypt? Yeah, Egypt wasn't all that bad. This is just too confusing. I don't like this. Um, The world turns whenever the gospel goes forth, wherever Jesus shows up, wherever the power of the Holy Spirit shows up, his plan for you, for your family... For your neighborhood, for your community, is to turn everything upside down. Because yeah, it's change. It's a powerful change. It's it's not because you've been bad and and you're doing things the bad way. It's just not his way. Um, what he what he's bringing is his kingdom. You've been living under somebody else's kingdom, mostly yours. All hail King Randy. Uh, Randy, Randy, Randy. Uh, uh, um, but no, now it's all hail King Jesus. Your kingdom is gone. His kingdom comes. And things are different. So I just want to ask you this. If you've got a relationship with Jesus. Has he turned you upside down? Do you have this sense that your old world at some point was turned upside down and and are you experiencing more of being turned upside down um because you know our, we are people of we are creatures of habit we always have this part of us that just wants to go back to the old we just want to go back to the old we just want to um i don't you know this is still too tricky for can we just go back to the old no jesus keeps going Just keeps turning stuff upside down, uh, so just think about this for a second. How is your life different since you put your faith in Jesus and put your life in his hands? Just think on um, some of you have really powerful testimonies uh, Some of you are just uh, have learned in deeper and deeper ways to walk in the love of Jesus, but it 's all different. Um, um, can you say really, uh, with joy and gratitude, that my life has been turned upside down? That the old things have passed away, that new things have come, and that they're continuing to come. But that's the first thing. If you if you accepted Jesus and then you just went, and you just your life is still the same, then I don't know who you accepted, but because uh, Jesus doesn't leave. St- Jesus messes everything up. Jesus messes with stuff. Uh, and it feels like you're turned upside down, um, but um, just get used to it. Uh, um, oh, I, need, I need to part this up. When I'm saying, when you met Jesus, was your life turned upside down? Um, I'm not just talking about back then. Yeah, back in 06 when I met the Lord, my, my life was turned upside down for about a week. And this is um, Jesus continues to wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat with your life, wash, rinse, repeat. You think you've got it figured out. It turns you upside down again Uh, because there's still more stuff that needs. I I mean, you know, you're walking with the Lord when you can just barely stand up because he continues to surprise you, to startle you, um, to change you. Um, But it's not just about you. Uh, How is your world different since you gave your life to him? You know, you have a sphere of influence. Um, And as God begins to turn us upside down, it can have an impact on where you work. It can have an impact on the way you relate to other people. It can have an impact because that's the way this works, right? This is the way this works. This is the way these things always work. Jesus touches you. He turns your life upside down and it rubs off on other people and begins to have an impact on their world too. So think for a second about um, how the presence and power of God in you, as you're turned upside down, have impacted the way that you relate to the people around you. But here's the thing. Um, how much... How about the... the I'm, now I'm talking about the world in the larger context, the, just the, the whole community. Um, you've got your... circle. You know, now Jesus said, you're going to be my disciples... In Judea, I mean, in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and in the whole world, what what starts with Randy doesn't stay with Randy or Mike, any of the Mikes. Um, Right here, it starts with you and your little, but then. Jerusalem, Judea, even Samaria, but even Samaria, and then the, the farthest edges of the earth, like a little rock dropping into a pond, just ripples out. So, if your life has been turned upside down by Jesus, then you have a reasonable expectation that what starts in here is rippling out and having an impact, not I mean, as far as your faith can see, turning the world God is working through your life, and the impact is going to turn other lives, other situations. I couldn't be more serious about the fact that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. But he wants to love other people through you. He wants to love your neighborhood. He wants to love your family through you. He wants to love your neighborhood through you. He wants to love uh, communities. His desire is to eventually transform things that go way beyond you through his work in you. He's the kingdom. I mean, he's the king of a new kingdom. And everywhere you go, you can say, not because of you, but because of him, the kingdom of god has come near to you the kingdom of god has come near to you you are ambassadors that's that's in the bible you are ambassadors of reconciliation Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 you are ambassadors of reconciliation pleading please be reconciled to god and um and as he works for you, and as your his ambassadors, your king, serving your king, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You can, um, I wouldn't go bragging about that. I wouldn't like, oh, walk up to somebody at H E B and say, "Hey, Mary, I'm so glad to see you. Did you know the kingdom of God just came near to you because I shook your hand?" No, but, um, but you would. But if the Spirit of God is working in you, there will be a shaking. There will be uh, there will be a move of the Holy Spirit that is tangible. If you just just be yourself, just be somebody whose life has been turned upside down for Jesus. Don't keep it a secret. Just be a person who has encountered the power of God. Just don't be, don't be afraid. Um, God's plan is to transform culture through you. So, so when you are walking with him, one of two things should happen. People will be attracted to the Jesus in you, or people will reject the Jesus in you and freak out. You're not responsible for either one of those things. But one of the thing, one of the ways that the world gets turned upside down is that people encounter the Jesus in you and they freak out and they run away and they react to it. That's fine. That's fine because sometimes being freaked out by the Jesus in somebody else is stage one and being drawn to Jesus. Mint and white? Freaked Mike out. Was that his name? Yeah, Mint and White. Mike was all he could do to not to just run out of the room screaming when that gate came up, but when when he put his hand when he put his arm around Mike and said, "Jesus loves you, and so do I," Mike's world turned upside down. Mike's first pen, Mike's first desire was to run or, or get ready to fight. Well, it would, wouldn't it have been great if you just had the opportunity back then? Wouldn't it have just made you so happy if you could have just uh, punched somebody? Yeah, Oh, he's bigger than you, that's right. <laughs> but um, but, but he, he didn't start a fight with you. He just loved you. He just loved you. Uh, the Jesus in, in him was freaking you out, but th- that was just stage one. Stage two, the Jesus in him got all over you. And Now that Jesus in you has been getting all over people for thirty years, continuing to turn people's worlds upside down every day just by being an ambassador for Jesus. You see what I'm see what I'm saying? People will be attracted to Jesus in you, so don't worry if they if to, if in the normal normal course of just being a lover of Jesus, if people initially push you away and, and freak out, that's normal. That's normal. Don't be dismayed. Don't be offended. Just, di- as a matter of fact, you can say, well, you know. Now, don't be obnoxious either. It's really important that um, so sometimes people push you away and run away from you because they're just a jerk. And you think you know everything and you think you're like super superior and you're patronizing them and you're criticizing them and you're telling them all the things that they need to change their life. No, 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 no. Uh, If in the course of being an ambassador for Jesus and just loving them and telling your story, they'll either be drawn to you or they'll be afraid of you. But it's about Jesus. It's not about you. Never, ever, ever make this about you. Just let Jesus flow through you. It's God's plan it has always been God's plan to turn this world upside down. The book of Revelation it says the kingdom of this world come on what's the rest of it saying has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he shall reign Forever and ever. The kingdom of this world has been turned upside down. Hallelujah. And has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. God's plan. Macro, small scale, large scale, huge scale, global scale. To turn the world upside down. What you want is for people uh, to look at Sheila and say, there she is. Here she comes. That person who's turned the world upside down in Kingsland. Now she's come to Granite Shoals. Oh no. Or glory to God. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, forgive us for having faith that's too small. Forgive us for praying small prayers. Forgive us for hiding our light under a bushel because we're afraid that people will be offended or they won't be our friend. Forgive us for the times. Convict us, Lord, for those times that we've been obnoxious because we thought we were doing your work. And instead, Lord, release into us a deeper level of humility and gentleness as we walk with you, as we rest in you, that your love would flow out of us and your power would do your work. Transform me transform my family, transform my neighborhood, transform this community, Lord, that everywhere where I go and everywhere where we go, people would know that we have been with Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen.